Hey guys, this is Anirudh Pandita on the podium and I'm the founder of Loco. Happy to be here. generation of Indians growing up in the 80s and 90s, cricket was the primary game they played and this explains the enduring popularity of the cricket events like IPL. The generation currently growing up is more interested in games like PUBG and there lies the opportunity to build events and streaming platforms for gaming fans. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dutt is talking with Anirudh Pandita, the founder of the gaming platform Loco and the content company Pocket Aces. Anirudh is a US-educated investment banker who came to India to build a business around Bollywood content. He ended up building Pocket Aces, which makes viral video content for young India to be consumed on social media platform. In the quest to not be reliant on social media platforms for distribution, they ended up creating Loco, which is India's leading live streaming platform for gamers and has raised more than $50 million till date. Listen on. And if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders, then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. I'm actually from Kashmir. The definition of home has always changed over time because obviously the happenings that happened there. My parents both are Kashmiri and... Your parents were Kashmiri pundits. Like you were actually there when that migration, the forced migration happened. Like you you saw that first. Yes, yes. We were there during the Exodus. I was, I've seen it firsthand as a kid as well. And you see the madness of crowds. You've seen the generosity of other people. So it was a very difficult beginning to my childhood. But... Luckily, my parents were very tenacious and I always wondered, I'm in my late 30s and my dad had to restart his life. He landed up in Delhi with nothing with him, like literally he had to start from scratch. Basically, basically, yeah. And then he moved to Kuwait and my parents both continue to live there still and I grew up in the Middle East as well. What did your dad do then? What profession did he choose? So my parents, my dad is a cancer specialist and my mom is is an engineer who turned homemaker leader. So for your undergrad, you went to the US, right? That's correct. I actually got into the IITs as well. And then I got into the US in an engineering school called the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which is a top engineering school. And even though I got into the IITs as well, if you look at the alum list, it's people like Mark Andreessen, founders of PayPal, founders of YouTube. And of course, that's where I met my co-founder Ashwin. So it's all the memories of that time and the experience we had, it was an amazing time. Tell me about your your corporate world journey till you finally became a founder. Yeah, look, I went to college with some degree of you know ambition of starting something, right? I didn't know how to do it at all. I, we have no entrepreneurs in our family, no one before me. And so to me, how do you start a business was completely unfathomable, right? It was, it's something we had never done. So we didn't have what I call it dinner table knowledge about it. So I said, okay, let me do the next best thing and try and at least understand how businesses are built. And uh, along with my engineering degree, I got a minor in technology and management. It was a pretty nice program where they take certain number of people from business, certain number of people from the engineering school and they put them together. And it's a terrible deal for the business guys, I think, because uh, the engineers learn far more. I think the learning, because I can't teach you much about coding just in one class, but it's still better than nothing. They're, those guys are much better off than their counterparts because they learn about a new world. And I did a bunch of business plan competitions, those sort of things. 
even won a few. And I didn't know what to do with it because I was like, oh, I won, but what do I do with that? I mean, there was, this is a time before Y Combinator and all these things. So I think having those things today, I think, you know, I really appreciate that they exist. So I went to Wall Street. I said, okay, let me go figure out and stand banking and private equity and those, those sort of things. And I was pretty amazed by that work in the sense that how do companies raise, some raise billions of dollars, some raise hundred million dollars. Some die, some get acquired, some continue to be long-lasting companies. And that's that That was really my business education, to be honest. I went into banking in 2006, which was, I call, I look back at it as the jazz age of investment banking. Like we had huge mega deals going on, lots of leverage buyouts, lots of M&A action. I, I did a number of deals in my first year. In fact, I did. You were in the transaction side? Yeah, I was basically working in the healthcare division at Bank of America. And did a lot of M&A work. I did capital raising also. It was, it was an industry coverage group. But there was a lot of deal flow, frankly. So I think I learned a lot in that first couple of years. That's also when the recession happened, right? The first grains of the recession happened, which is got to see the excesses first. And then you got to see the signs of what happens when things are not going so well. And I moved to London by then. I was in real estate. So I was really in the kind of middle of seeing a lot of this stuff play out. So it, it was a really interesting education. And then I came to the Middle East and I worked at the Sovereign Wealth Fund in private equity in Dubai and also worked at Goldman. So again, it was a well-rounded education, I would say. It really gave me my, I always joke, it gave me my undergraduate education in business. And I'll always be thankful for it. And unlike a lot of other people who dislike their time in banking, I really liked it. So yeah, that was my kind of journey in uh, banking. And then you did a master's after Goldman. Yeah, I got into business school. And frankly, at that time, I really didn't want to go. I thought, what am I going to do? Waste two years. When you're young and I'm a pretty patient guy, I was still much more impatient than I am today. So I was like, oh no, two years, what will I do? I need my peers, where will they go? And what will I do? I had so many plans for my own career. And you realize at the end, you're in a race with yourself. So it doesn't matter. But I think good thing is after going to business school, at the time I had to think, I think you never get that time back. So I think from that point of view, it was a very valuable experience and the value of the network has only improved over time. You know, one of the slides I show in my induction deck at Loco and before that at Pocket Ace is, is a deck which has all the logos of companies which we take for granted today and products we take for granted today that didn't really exist when I graduated from college. Pretty much all of them didn't exist. Even the iPhone, I think, just came right after, right? I graduated 06 and Apple iPhone came out 07. And I remember in my final semester, I was done with my exams in America, the books are expensive. So you sell them often. Otherwise, when I was growing up, that was blasphemous. You'd never sell your books. So you, I sold my books and I was like, I got like some money here. And what does an engineering student do, right? We don't have so much interest in fashion and watches and all those things. So I went and bought an iPod and I still have that iPod. And it was amazing. You felt like a king with that product. How did uh, Pocket Aces happen? So Pocket Aces was essentially a brainchild of Ashwin and mine We was sitting in his living room. He had some experience of building films and film projects from ground up. And I'm using the word project uh, a bit here because people often think of films as a magical thing or products as magic, magical things that just happen. If you use the word project, people don't like it. I actually like doing the opposite. And yeah, he had worked on some interesting projects and he had access to some. Like Bollywood? Yeah, full-fledged movies like Talwar and those sort of movies that Times has set up. He had that experience and he had encouraged me when I was in a hedge fund in the US after graduating to come and check out the media landscape. So I came to India, I hung around, I, we worked with random producers. Some of them have become very famous now, very talented people as well. And I understood that, look, the media landscape is pretty bad and needs help. 
And were you looking at it from an investment banking angle, like in terms of funding projects or what was the lens with which you were looking? Yeah, the lens was how could we win here? That, to be honest, is the simplest lens. I always look at everything like how do I add value? If I add value, I will win, right? I don't actually have to beat anyone. Like I said, very early in life, I realized you, the best way to beat someone is to play them in a game they don't know. So you don't have to do anything different. You don't have to run their race. So we very early realized our competitive advantage, even in making movies, would have to lie somewhere else. And that thesis was flawed, to be honest. And that's why to start a company, I always say it's, you have to fool yourself. It's not a rational choice. You can't look at the numbers and say, okay, 0.001% into $10 billion. So that's my expected value. And therefore I should do it. It's, it just cannot, it's not a rational decision. Most companies die. I think the other thing I always say is like the default state of your business is usually dead. Most businesses will die. Now the question is, are they going to die in five years, 10 years, five months, 100 years? That depends on your moat and those things. We then get into the Buffett portal zone of the world. But for me, the simplest thing was starting a business was what do we do better or different day zero and then day 100, day 300 have some at least some markers of the long run but in the short run what could we do? And we already had a project pretty well cooked when we started so th there was some momentum to go with it but then we quickly realized our thesis of our bigger thesis was look India doesn't have any enough number of screens per capita per capita screens should increase ticket prices should also increase this, this is I'm just telling you our naive thesis and we also felt that that essentially Indian movies the box office was too small so for the cultural impact we've had on the world like if you travel anywhere they'll know Shah Rukh Khan or they'll know even as far back as Raj Kapoor they'll know some taxi driver I was I was in San Francisco in the valley in 2018 and cab driver said oh hear the song I really like the song it was a Raj Kapoor song and I asked him how do you know the song he said oh I grew up on, on this guy and I love his movies and I, we felt that look if that's the case we should have a bigger impact than 2 billion dollar box office and we felt a lot of Indian movies were looking inwards and that's why it's not the Salman Khan or Shah Rukh Khan that's not intelligent enough to know what they're making. What ends up happening is that they're making for the 1500, what used to be 1500 now, of course we're doing 5000, 10,000 screen type zone. But I think at that time where Salman Shah Rukh were doing 3000, 5000 screen type movies. If you have to reach so many screens, you're going to have, and you're going only focused on India, you're going to end up making what they ended up making. Just lowest common denominator of making people happy. Whereas we felt, let's just concentrate on the 500 or 1000 urban centers, try to make our money back there and then sell the movie abroad. Because these are all dreams that we had. And we got very close. We, did you actually produce a movie? So funny enough, we got pretty close. We got pretty close. We've never ended up making that movie. And that movie's not gotten made yet. I hear it may get made in the next year. But I also hear that every year. Like you had rights to produce on a script or something like that. Yes, correct. Actually, the people we worked with at that time have had a very significant impact on cinema in India. For example, we worked with a with a studio called Why Not? They're from the South. They made some of the biggest hits that have come out recently and very content heavy. And there was a meeting of the minds there with two people, the promoter there, Sashi and Ashwin and I used to sit together and, you know, there was just a very strong and common understanding of what cinema should be and how it can be, can make money and not dilute completely the content aspect of it. So, I think they've done well. Matchbox, who we work, worked with at that time, Shira Raghavan's made hit after recently using Andadun and Badlapur. So I think there is, we worked with good people at that time as well. We met good people. So just our film was, we understood why it's difficult to make a film, right? It's the anti-startup. 
because you have high fixed cost. You have very slow moving organization because what ends up happening is we didn't want to make a movie with, with no commercials, right? And we wanted the right start cost. Oh, you're very close, but realize it's going to take us two to three years and we will not be able to make sufficient progress. And that's just too slow. It was too slow for our DNA. And so we... We'd already raised some angel money by then. And we told our angel investor, look, we're going to completely change our business soon. So you can even have your money back however you want to do it. And he said, don't worry, you guys use it as you guys see fit and just use it well and use it in an honest manner. And he said, after that, everything else is up to God. So we thought that was pretty nice of him. And we always stay grateful for these sort of people who show belief in times that are pre-testing. And so Ashwana then sat back and said, what's changed in the world? We looked at the biggest thing was essentially that we're talking about 2015 here, right? And what we felt was that it was the first time that India as a country was moving from a shared screen experience towards the phone becoming the centerpiece of the entertainment experience. So going from a shared screen experience to a personalized individual experience of entertainment. And we felt everybody around us ride from when you entered a building and saw a security guard to sitting in a, uh, seeing in an elevator, people, co-workers or whoever were on their phone and that first sort of generation of people uh, who started consuming content on the phone started. And so we felt that's the future. And we also had a pretty important... Like a streaming platform. We didn't know what the answer was. We just knew there was a problem. There's this content, the way people were going to consume content was not going to be the way we had seen it so far. So actually the answer in our mind was more like... a. TikTok rather than like something short Instagram, like Snapchat type of thing. So we were like, this is going to change how things get done. And so we also went to Cannes to the film festival there and to one of the MIP conferences there. And uh, when we were there at Cannes at the MIP festival, we saw also what is happening in the rest of the world. And I think that impacted us as well because we were able to see the size of the market that you know, and the size of the change. It was not a small change. And there were people like Netflix was, was announcing 20 originals. HBO was uh, saying, I'm doing so many originals. Vice was saying, I'm doing this. He was saying, doing this. So these were all names that we were like, oh, like these guys didn't, two, three of these guys didn't exist till four years back. They're making 20 originals. Like that's significant. And we were thinking of making one movie before that. Literally, we by that time, we had anyway, we were right on that cliff of jumping off. And that's when we jumped off and we came back, we stopped all the movie stuff. We completely said we're going to do everything on digital. And that's when the journey started. And, and that's how Pocket Aces in its current avatar, it was born. And our mission became at Pocket Aces about solving boredom because that's how we saw us playing a role. Like we wanted to be on every platform, try to figure out how to pipe content there because we didn't see anyone else around us doing it. What was the, the product idea that you had? Was it, so TikTok is like user-generated content. So was that your idea or did you want to license content and then have people subscribe like a streaming platform or like what was it that you thought you would? Actually at that time, it was not any of those. At that time, we were just thinking how, that's why I said it was more a problem statement. I had. So the problem statement was like, how is entertainment going to change now that everybody's going to be on their phone all the time, right? And this is, I'm talking about 2014 and 2015, we really thought about this pretty hard. And that's when we started saying, look, people are just on these social platforms. These social platforms are where they're discovering content. And so if you have to be an influential content brand, if you have to solve boredom on different platforms, you have to be on these platforms and learn how they work. And then along that journey is when we started thinking about, okay, we actually counted intuitively at that time, better on Facebook, which other people was built on YouTube, for example, right? So for example, you just look at TVF or AIB, they were more, those were the vintage of our start, right? So those guys were all YouTube guys. And we were, firstly, we were nobody. And we said, look, YouTube's got its favorites. 
Facebook's got nobody. Others don't have anyone. So that's how we got started. And why I was talking about kind of TikTok is because during that journey, there were two or three periods at which we thought that we should productize a bit more. And I think if we had the engineering team we have today at Loco, I think 100% we may have come up with a more productized version of it versus a more content-heavy version of a business. And like we, we quickly understood the power of WhatsApp. We had one of the largest WhatsApp groups in India at that time, right? A bunch of them where fans were continuously talking to us. So we understood very early that WhatsApp is a great distribution channel. We also understood power of short form content. Like we were the, not to sound too arrogant, but like we weaponized memes, like on filter copy, the meme explosion that happened, we we participated and actively contributed to memes becoming a popular communication format amongst young people. And I proudly say, in that time, people used to laugh at me that I love memes, right? This is like one of my favorite ways to communicate or even relax is to watch those sort of things. And I'm not very good at producing them myself. So I had to always get good people, good things I can see and see it's funny or not. So I was always had an audience lens. And so I think from a from a business idea point of view, we started with a very simple idea that there is no content creator who is piping content over these social networks. We can become that person and it has to be original content if you want to do it quickly because otherwise it's too slow and if we get into this aggregation of user game then you're competing with Facebook and then our view was that your product has to be better or different than Facebook something has to be different which is which was actually a search we had over time we were looking at different aspects even I was one of the early users of Musical.ly and the penny dropped for me when I used it I think it was late 2017 I could be wrong and I remember making a music video with one of our first tech hires and after we made it we both knew we were like Wow, like we just made something that looked like a bad 90s music video with no money. We just made it for free and we suck. What are good people who know how to do this stuff and who want to spend time and then then what will happen? So that's when we knew it. So then you obviously have the thing should we create the musically of India, right? Like and we had such a big social distribution platform by that point that any app we started, anything we did, we could get the initial zero to one initial user base. But we just felt that, look, if you don't have a big product or a content or a community advantage, then there's no point. And that's actually played out very well in Logo for us. Tell me the evolution. Which channel did you launch first? And so this was essentially like you decided to build a studio, create content and distribute content across various social platforms and earn via the native advertisements there and also like brand collaborations. Was that the business model? Okay, we came up with that business model. To be honest, there was very little branded content at that time. I remember the first video we did for a brand was after a long time after we had actually built great distribution. And we told them, look, this will 100% work. They said, okay, we don't know. So he said, okay, you take, give us a low fee on this one. No problem. But if it works on the next one, you can't give us a low fee because you're just going to end up getting free advertising. And, you know, people were skeptical at that time of what YouTube could do, what Instagram could do, and these things could do. And I remember doing our first video with the advertiser and it just completely exploded. It went like mega viral. We, I think, got like 500,000 or something shares on it. And when something has that sort of sharing, those guys' sales just went vertical. But that was the start of our branded content business. And of course, we built it alongside then in long form. We built shorter than short form. We've done many formats of entertainment and scale that branded content business at Pocketesis, which is now, I think, the largest branded content business in the country. So you're asking me what we built first, right? Actually, we built Dice Media first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. evolution. First, Pocketesis arrived, right? That was the first name that we chose. And that was our, supposed to be our 
film studio type company. But then when we decided to go straight up to the audiences, go direct to audiences with direct to consumer content, there we felt people couldn't even pronounce pocket aces correctly. So they were like pocket axes, pocket asses. And so we're like, shit, like we just, we made a mistake here. Like every name after that, if you see it from our stable has been very easy. And it's a cliche to say we used Apple, but we used Apple as an example because it's easy to say. And Ola was the other one that was that we used as as a simple example of something that's well branded for India. Like everybody can say Ola. It doesn't matter what it actually means. So and that's why we started with Dice, and uh, that was actually the first channel we launched. Again, we had great success on it. The first video that we launched went like super viral. And what was it on? What was it like humor or what? Yeah, it was like political satire, which we never did again. But it went super viral and we, it was so late, the video. Actually, this was that spate, a lot of bans were happening in different states and all that. So after the first ban happened, we thought of this video. So we made the video. And then, look, we this was our first ever video. So we were not even well prepared, would be like overstatement and how like we were just super underprepared there was no I remember seeing the first cut sit and I was I remember calling Ashwin when I was on the Western Express Highway calling him saying you know the content really resonated and I think that told us something that content if it resonates there's a reason people share but after that we tried a few things on Dice it didn't work that went viral that first video that went viral so we were like okay we are the kings we know everything all these guys why are they giving so much credit to these other people it's us now and this is very easy but then what happened is that everything else after that stopped working. And actually, Thais, as we had originally thought about it, we thought we knew better. So it was, it came from a creator mindset. But at the same time, we launched Filter Copy as an experimental channel. Saying this is where we will do our experiments. And that actually picked up hugely because we were doing so many experiments that something was working, something was not working. But quickly we could realize what's working, what's not working. And I think that's when we realized that that's the methodology with which we should build. Then, of course, that became the rocket ship. And we quickly pivoted dice to what we originally wanted to do with pocket aces, which was to do longer form content. So then the longer form content came on dice. Then we added Gobble as a food network. And very quickly after that, we added we added Loco. And Loco, of course, we'll go into the story in a bit because that was a platform. And then on the channel side, we, we added Nutshell, which is doing very well. It's an infotainment channel. It tries to not be, it's what we call the not news channel. It's not a news channel. It is essentially a channel which tells you why the world is the way it is. Too much infotainment is about breaking news and news. We are not about the news. We are about understanding. Uh, the Nutshell channel is about understanding why, how can the Elon Musk land a rocket in the way it took off. Simple things you may have wondered about, interesting things that make you go like, wow. Like, for example, what happened in Sri Lanka? Everybody's been asking me. It has to be the number one question. Everyone's been asking me that. So it's in the news, but nobody's actually explained to us what the hell actually ever happened. So it's got a cool explainer video. So that also came next. We also tried an animated channel called Jambo. Uh, which had some limited success. And and then post that social distribution division of Pocket Aces, that's how it got started. So essentially, Nutshell would be something like what Vox Media is, like news. It's similar to Vox, yes. Okay, okay. okay. And first brand ad you said was around 2017. So 15 to 17, how were you funding it then? Production costs, video editing, all of that. We were super lean, yeah. The frugality with which we run the Pocket Aces venture is pretty pretty outstanding and I think about what we managed to do with very little it's pretty amazing and commendable and yeah we didn't pay each other anything very little we were just going I think the mission was so strong uh, frankly that we wanted to really change the way content was done in India we wanted to show that something better was possible so that we could do new forms of content people were so bored of the same old television that there was something new possible and I think a lot of people aligned with that mentality and today people who charge crores for 
a days of work were working with us for five ten thousand rupees, right? And uh, that's just how movements get started, frankly. Like the it's the nature of change. And uh, looking back, we were fortunate to meet those people, but we also had a lot of fire in our belly, and and we had raised some angel capital. As well, like I mentioned, so that helped, but we really took it very, very far. And then in 2016, we did our Series A with, with Sequoia Lead, and that had 314 participated, the Infosys founders participated. So it was a good round. How much did you raise? I think we raised about $3 million. In today's world, that sounds very little, but uh, we were super happy because we were like, this is it. This is what we needed to give us more fuel to grow. And then we did. We created a lot from that limited amount of capital. And it also allowed us to validate the work that we had done before because the stats that the investors saw, they were just blown away by the quality of what we had done. And we were much more about executing than just doing PR and those sort of things. So, and of course, with the frugal culture didn't leave us, we still are like that. And Cochris is still run with those fundamentals. And that's why I think if you look at the sector over time, all our competitors have fallen by the wayside except a couple and we continue to be there and we continue to do well because we didn't abandon those principles of how you want to run the company. Your competitors would have been like the viral fever and scoop poop and these kind of companies. There were many at that time. There were a, a dime a dozen had come up by that. Yeah, there were many of them. AIB, I see all, all sorts of words were there. The scoop poop, mop, etc. Many of them were there. And all had something good, but I think the discipline we showed, I think we did boring things well, which people don't like. And that's why I used that word earlier also, project, because people like glamorize everything. Most winning comes from doing the same thing repeatedly and executing extremely well, right? Strategy, honestly, the strategy is execution. Uh, the bowler should have bowled a yorker. But over execution then is the difficult thing, right? Everybody knows that you have to do this, but how to do it, executing it at the right time, right? that's the key. And I think our team's done a fabulous job doing that. Did you earn through the native ad, you know, YouTube and all good creators, right? Was that significant or like insignificant? Significance depends on who, who is looking at it. But in our buy, it was very small. But of course, it was all profit, right? Because it has no cost associated with it because we associate most of our costs with stuff that makes revenue. There's the branded content we did. We invested very early in ensuring that we have our own direct sales. And that then ensured that we have a huge, a huge sales force out there with selling content and uh, getting the right right results for us. And what is the reach today? Like, how many hours of content do you produce every month? And the reach, we reach, must be reaching 70, 80 million people. It's a huge reach per week. So the network is very large now. And I haven't worked actively on the business for a while, but I sit on the board and I do talk to some of the people who've joined from time to time. So Ashwin is like largely running that. So now actually Aditi is running and she's the CEO of Pocket Aces. And Ashwin and I started the company, Aditi joined us and she became our third co-founder. And then post that, you know, once Loco happened, we haven't chatted about Loco yet, but essentially as we built the social businesses, we added two more business units and then a third one. Pocket Aces in 2019 actually had four business units. So there was a social distribution business that we've been talking about. Then out of the social distribution business came this, we were doing these long form shows and that's what we sold to Netflix. And we were amongst the first guys to work with Netflix in India. And in that show, Little Things, obviously has become a huge hit. And this has been the longest running Netflix original. It started as a YouTube show that we did on Dice Media, right? So that practice, the OTD studio business has become pretty large now. And then the third business that came out of it was essentially Cloud, which is an influencer and talent management business where we have so many young people who come to us and they act in our videos, they write videos, they do interesting things. And they essentially didn't get representation. So we now represent them. 
and we help them with their business affairs and we help them get cast movies. So we are like their partner then throughout the whole journey. And so those are three businesses that came with through the social distribution business and that unit is still together as pocket leases and then Loco, which we built in 2018, 19 and onwards, that now has been spun off into a separate um, company. So one last question on Pocket Aces before we start, Lucas. Is Pocket Aces profitable now? Self-funded? What kind of revenue does it do? Like, You don't disclose that, but it's in the 100 or 200 CR range. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So now tell me how the local journey started. How did that happen? When we were building Pocket Aces and over time in Pocket Aces, I started thinking a lot more about distribution aspect of the business. Ashwin was thinking a lot more about the content itself. Another thing was thinking about the monetization. That's how our roles were split. That's one cut of how we thought about the business. And the other way we thought about it is that whatever the three key growth priorities, the top three, one of us will take each thing, right? And this I'm talking circa 2017, 2018. And the key growth priorities were, one was that we have to build out our studio business, get good content out there and make sure that we execute well with Netflix, etc. That creates the basis for a longer term studio franchise. So Ashwin really worked in that. Uh, along with Aditi and then... In this case, does Netflix own the IP or you own the IP for Little Things? So we actually own the IP. Wow, amazing. Okay. In the case of that Little Things. But it's a deal-to-deal thing, right? It's not a rule. And that was the first thing was this build the studio business, which Ashwin and Aditi took up. Then there was revenue, which was essentially how do we scale our branded content business? And he was working on that. She was the OG revenue person. And that's why when we had discussed amongst us who will actually lead Pocket's business, we thought about which function is going to be really the key metric for the business and it was always going to be revenue and content. And so that's where she became the right candidate. And then from there, the last one was to build our own distribution mm-hmm. platform, and which was, I took that on myself. And then what we did is we thought about it 20, uh, late 2017. We thought about, you know, what's, what are the two formats or three formats of content which will become prevalent with the mobile phone. So 100% we thought short form is going to be really interesting. And then we thought interactive will be interesting. And short form, we felt there's going to be a lot of competition from Facebook, etc. And like I said, I'd already seen Musical.ly and I felt it was a really good product. So we thought, okay, let's do interactive. We may have more time there. And it's completely white, completely white space for us. And we were just working on our product when we heard these three guys from Bangalore are also working on a similar product. So I went to Bangalore, I met all the guys and they were working on a product called Showtime, which is a quiz, a live trivia competition. We quickly did a deal. We acquired the asset. We got those guys on board. Two out of three worked with us for a really long time. One out of three continues to work with us and with me very closely in particular and he's the CPO of the company. And that's how Loco started and we aligned especially with with the product, the tech guys. I sat with them and we aligned 100% on how we thought this could get built, who should be doing it, etc. And we went straight into execution and it exploded the product, just came with a lot of reality. And over time, then we built the product out. We added hyper-casual games, time spent on the platform went up. And then in 2019, we saw that gaming itself was changing, right? So either we need to make sure that we either become a fantasy or a real money business, or we look at the big change that was happening in gaming, which is that gaming itself was transitioning away from HTML5 gaming as being the sole gaming category to becoming more about mobile arcade and ba- battle royale games, which is happening as well, right? So that was a big change we saw. And 2019 was really the time when the Indian gaming ecosystem was cracked open by PUBG Mobile. 100 million plus MAUs, every person around you crazy around it, about it. And 
you know, being at Pocket Races was a big advantage at that time because Pocket Races and Loco, for that matter, these are very young companies, right? Like, I was 34, 35 at the time. Like, I was the oldest guy there. So, you get a, got a sense for what pop culture was by seeing these people because they were doing it way before it became a rage for the rest of the world. Like, they are the early adopters sat in front of you. And as we saw PUBG Mobile really becoming a rage in the office. And that's when I thought that, look, this could be the next big content format. And we had a huge advantage in all three parts. We knew how to do streaming because we had done that in local. We did an amazing job there. We had the tech shops, therefore, and the product shops. Second was, is there a community that can be built around it? We had built an outstanding community with what the job we had done with each of those content brands that we had built. And the last was essentially what kind of content would be put on there, what kind of content creators could be attract. And again, we knew if anyone in India understood content creators and their grammar, it was us. We have been those content creators. We know what it means to fail in when your video fails. We know what it means to succeed. The stupidity you can do when you succeed. The silliness that ensues when you don't succeed. What should you do? How should you talk to someone? All of those things we knew. And a lot of the people who we worked with had consumed our content. So they had a respect that, okay, these guys are not. When they tell me that I'm going to get you a Nike contract, I can get you a Nike contract. It's not, I'm not talking just as a founder trying to get something done. So I think that those things played in our mind. And we said, look, this content genre is too small. Existing players are just primarily YouTube. Even there was very small. They're not focused on this problem. Let's you know, make that a full-blown effort. In twenty end of 2019, we really started pivoting the platform and changing it completely into what you see it today. And of course, we ran head-on into the lockdown. And the whole product's been basically built on lockdown. So we've never had an office. This latest form of loco has never had an office, which is insane. And I've not met many of the people ever in person, but you know, I used to be worried about work from home and work from anywhere when I started because at Pocket Races, we have an amazing culture. There is an electricity in the office that if you can get there, you will see that electricity in it. You cannot help but be infected by it. So I was always worried that, okay, like how are we going to get things done in this kind of post-apocalyptic world? And actually, I've been presently surprised. The productivity has been way up. And I think the commitment that we're seeing from people and the real alignment with the mission and the cause has been amazing. So we've released the whole pro- product. Now it's been almost two years. It's been an amazing journey. And and yeah, we ran into the lockdown and that, that really started helping us because obviously live streaming became and gaming both became centered of the entertainment funnel for many people, especially the younger generation of the country. I want to kind of understand better what was the, the Showtime product which you branded as Loco originally, like before the pivot to gaming. It was the same. It was a quiz, but we didn't want to name it Showtime, obviously, because there would be a violation of Showtime's brand name or whatever. So we launched with a completely new name. We launched completely with a new thing. And it was the same concept. What was the the user experience like? It was very simple. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be, you come in two times a day, there will be a quiz. You will play the quiz. If you get all the answers right, you will win something. So it's as if you were watching Khan Banega Karvapati and you were playing yourself. And they were, if everyone won with you, then you, everybody would split the price. If one person won, they would take home the price and it became a rage. There are people, so we, you know, local symbol, as you can see, is the hippo. And he came up with all of this in literally in a week, right? In two weeks. And, you know, I remember talking to the to the whole team saying, hey, who do we want? And they said, Gaurav Kapoor. And next day, Ashwin had messaged Gaurav. And third day, me and Gaurav are sitting together and Ashwin are sitting together. And the day after, he's hosting Loco. Loco, Total became Loco. And Loco became a, such a sensation. People had 
this hippo was all over. Like there were people who were drawing fan art around him. People had tattooed the hippo on their arm. And you'd be amazed by it. Like you'd see people, doctors playing it, army guys playing it. You could walk into a bar in Bangalore or Bombay and you could see at the 10 o'clock or whatever that people would be playing the game. So it became a sensation. There's no doubt about it. I think we were the quickest app to a million DAU in India at that time. So it was an interesting in lesson in how virality works in when you find that massive product market fit what happens and it's it still remains an unbelievable feeling I, I remember talking to our CTO at that time and saying look he asked me like how many users do you think you can get I said 100k TAU that is doable we were at 100k within a week so that was like it's quite insane so uh, I want to take a stab at trying to figure out what made it so viral. Uh, I guess one is because there were fixed time slots. So there was a football that if you don't play at 10 p.m. when the competition is going, then you don't have. Second is real money. Like you have a chance to win actual money if you answer. Then third is there was anyway the KBC craze. So that trivia by itself was a popular category. The, the video experience would have been completely clutter breaking. Nothing else like that probably existed. You had a celebrity like Gaurav that also would have added. That wouldn't have been the primary factor, but it would have definitely added. It was an unbelievable experience. I think there are very few products that you see often that give you a sense of the future. It gave you a sense of the future where you felt like, wow, this guy, I had only seen him on television. He's here literally in the palm of my hand. And I'm actually interacting with him in an interesting way, which actually live streaming does. Live streaming does that. The only difference here, I would say, would be at that time, the fact that you could actually win something and it didn't have to be money, actually. Our stats showed us anyone who won anything, like if they got answers right, they would actually stay through the whole game. So it was much more about, do I know this? It was that same thing that we used to do when we watched KBC when we were younger. It was like, hey, do I know this or not? And the good thing is that it was general enough, just like KBC where you could watch it with your family. So people were always, and what would happen is that it would be easier if you're playing with your family because if you got stuck on a question, you would go A, your mom would go B, your dad would go C. That way, one of you would survive. So the, there was that. And then of course, there was the helpline that helped a lot, which is that if you shared the the link and you got a new user for us, you would get an extra chance in the game, which again was path breaking at that time. So it was there was a lot of different elements that combined. And I think there were a lot of competition also actually at that time. A lot of people tried to do this and we were winning by a mile because I think we got everything right. We understood our technology worked day in, day out. And those were days, I remember at each mark, 10,000, 100,000, we went all the way up to a million concurrents. Million concurrents is like IPL, right? And we were, we didn't have obviously the balance sheet of Disney. We were just five guys in a room. So it was challenging, but we kept at it. We really thought hard every day of our user experience. How could we make it interesting? And I think that's it still remains for me a great education in finding very strong product market fit. And this was like pre-recorded? Like Gaurav would pre-record and it would play in those time slots or it was like? No, it was completely live. It was completely live. Okay. Would he like announce names of winners and stuff like that too? Yeah, yeah. He would announce. Okay. So that's how that kick happened for a... You got that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Once, once he took your name and we did a lot of things. You'd call outs. I think Gaurav was very GK as we call him fondly like we chose GK because, and look, Ashwin and I, this, at the, till this point, had significant experience in content, right? So we had an idea of who is good live and who's not. Live is not easy. And many people are like, some of your biggest talent in India, from a hosting or an acting point of view, is not comfortable doing live. 
So it really came down to who could actually do live and who was still relatable enough for the public where they don't feel like it's too far removed from reality. So I think that's where GK picking him was good and he did an amazing job. And we had so many fun nights actually. Like it was, you always remember and GK and I are still good friends and we chat all the time. And it's, it was a crazy experience. There's no, no other way to put it. I remember the, one of the first times we did the show and he literally just, he was sitting, standing in the studio in front of the camera and there's a green screen behind him and he just went, you guys, I'm wearing a, wearing a bandhi on top and then he's wearing shorts at the bottom and he just let the audience know, right? And then sometimes, you know, our, he would tell the guys, come, come in here and clap for these guys. So it was not an experience from a content point of view. We made the experience spontaneous and relatable. Like we didn't make it that, oh, look at this magic that we're doing. It was like, there are people behind the camera. And so people got to know, and that's the thing, right? The fan fandom was so high. That people got to know other people. They would be like, oh, so-and-so is behind the camera. So-and-so is doing XYZ things. So they knew this was the production team. And so I think we got the technology part absolutely right. It was able to, we were able to scale with the demand. The tech was able to scale. It was obviously expensive, but we were able to solve it. And in the same way, we were able to do the content as well. And then on the community side also, we did the same thing. So I think it was the, the seed of things to come. What would people do beyond these two slots then? If someone logged on to the... Nothing. And that was actually the biggest learning for us, right? That a lot of other times people thought the app was broken. And that's an India-specific problem. They came and clicked on stuff and nothing would happen. And they were like, it's not And the answer was no, actually only works in those specific times. So then what do we do with the rest of... So we built, started building features around that time. And I think... What did you build then? Like, just tell me that product evolution. So we allowed you to play, we allowed you to play quizzes through the day, for example. You could do that. Right. Then we slowly added in. Uh, and what, like pre-recorded? Or? Yeah, those were the old quizzes. Like the yesterday's quiz, you could play again just for coins, like soft currency. And then essentially, then added hyper-casual games and game tournaments. That really increased the time spent significantly. What was this hyper-casual game? Just describe it to me. So like, you know, your kind of brick breaker, bubble shooter, like simple knife throw. Like those kind of simple games that we actually acquired another studio at that time, TapCube. And two of the three members, they still work with Loco and they're doing very well. And they they had the games already ready and they had a basic platform. We got them integrated and got the public there. That increased the time spent significantly as well. That solved our problem. These were not like hosted by a video. This was just like a regular game. They were just regular games. Kind of like what Netflix has put today. We were way ahead on that account. It's exactly what Netflix has done. We were just ahead and I think you know, the point is that at that time it was, it's, it's interesting. Right? That's what I was saying that 2019, it, the world significantly changed in gaming because this was the year where we integrated 2018, 2019, we integrated these games. We saw the time spent go way up. And that's when we also saw that essentially like gaming itself was changing. People were playing different kinds of games and that's where we realized that these sort of casual, hyper-casual games would then become short-form experiences and not really what people would do where they would, where their most of their time would be spent. And we've seen that now very clearly, like PUBG Mobile, etc. is constantly dominating both download charts as well as uh, revenue charts. So what next then in the product evolution? So you launched the hyper-casual games for engagement throughout the day? Yeah, we launched the hyper-casual game and then I think we solved the problem of that we had nothing to do during the day. Then the key question actually became, what do we do as a monetization method or we either become a real money gaming app, which is then it go away from the engagement we were providing or do you become something different like a UGC streaming kind of app, gaming emerges. And that idea did not come to us directly. We were initially thinking very hard about real money gaming. It's just that when we sat back in 2019 and thought about which route do you want to take, 
we just saw this such a big change in gaming that we have to capture it and we were the best position to deliver that value. And that's how we then we said, okay, look, we have the streaming already. We're just going to go ahead and start onboarding creators and make it a UGC platform. That was what we decided end of 2019 and 2020 Loco as you know it today. And what is it that a creator can do? Like he can point the selfie camera towards himself and host a quiz, for example, like what Gaurav Kapoor was doing. So this is now like fully live uh, no, game streaming. So this is someone can actually from their phone start beaming themselves up. So they could be playing PUBG Mobile. You, they would have a face cam and they can go live. Or they would have a setup and they would have a camera pointing at them and they can go live. We provide the rest of the infrastructure. We allow them to go live. We allow them to host quizzes. They can host polls. They can do giveaways directly in their streams, stickers, etc. So we built a full live streaming application for them. And we focused a lot on the gaming community. We focused on A, on bringing the best streamers on our platform and B, working hard on building a tail of streamers who could then become the next generation of stars. And and of course, the product there has evolved significantly from what we released in 2020. In the, you know, the 2020 early product was very simple. It was just, if you wanted to stream, you couldn't even stream because we didn't allow it. So we first chose, seeded a few streamers, started from that. Then a chat was, we had to, we must have written, rewritten chat many number of times to make it better and better, both in terms of kind of things you can do in chat and also how it scaled at the time, right? Because as we got bigger and better streamers on the platform, the chat velocity just went vertical. And so how do you build that? The same way the the stream challenge, right? We today, I think apart from YouTube, we are the biggest concurrency at the same time in terms of number of users that one stream has seen. And so we had seen that already. We had done this IPL style stream when we were doing only one stream a day. But what happens when you have thousand streams a day or 500 at the same time, thousand at the same time? How do you build that? And then how do you... With Loco 1.0, as we call it, the quiz product, it was easy to, or not easy, but at least there was a way we could judge how many people are going to come the next day because we knew our game, how many games yesterday. Content was relatively similar. Now, what happens when I don't know who's streaming? Like, I don't personally know the all the streamers. I know many of them personally as well, but I, I don't know what content, I don't have a view into their content plan, right? So they may be doing something else. So sometimes someone does something really crazy and this spikes. So we built that. Then even simple things like Rewind. Right? We didn't build it in twenty in twenty twenty because in twenty twenty we also saw the ban of PUBG Mobile and basically esports in India kind of declined. And so it was much more about chatting and chatting and working with streamers, right? And having a direct interaction. It was much more about the interaction. Twenty twenty one when uh, BGMI came back, the Battlegrounds IP came back, esports came back into vogue. Essentially, the product has evolved significantly. You had twenty twenty was much more about interacting with streamers directly because PUBG Mobile was banned. So there was no real esports in the country. 2021, esports came back when BGMI came back. And therefore, earlier when in the 2020 version of the world, the audience didn't really have a need of going back and rewinding because it was much more about the live band. In 2021, it was much more about, hey, I missed this action. Can I go back? And even someone like a Twitch didn't have rewind for a long time. I don't think they still have rewind everywhere. So none of our rivals still have even have rewind. So it's like building small things like this really helped. And, and we really improved our performance in 2021 in terms of the video experience, scaling experience. So it's been 2021 has been a scaling challenge for us. And you know, it, it's been a great year because we've seen amazing numbers in the platform. The Anyone who follows a few number of streamers on the platform and talking about sub 10 and they're spending an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes on the, on the platform. 
I want to understand the whole gamer streaming while he's playing kind of a market. So you knew that there are people who want to watch gamer stream because of Twitch. Twitch had a lot of Indians who were no. There's no Twitch in India, and there is no Twitch in India in the sense that there is no community. See, we realized from basically. I realized when gaming and I saw the game streams around me, people were starting to watch them and play this. That essentially, once you have a playing population, then you're going to have a watching population. And you cannot have a watching population without having any sort of playing population. It's very difficult, right? And what this does, the mobile game allows you to democratize sports in a way that has never been done before. Today, you could be sitting in Pillai or Ranchi or Darjeeling or or Bandra. and you can all play games together right this was never possible before and uh, you could play with your su- favorite superstar follow them today in the evening play in a custom room with them not possible in real sport and i felt that okay this community is small and will become massive and youtube to me is like now the top of the funnel right they have all kinds of things on youtube and every single thing actually on the youtube trending timeline has become a platform right so whether it's music whether it's education of course with an academy and byju and all those guys whether it's movies with netflix all of those have become platforms and the only one which didn't have anything was gaming or fashion and like i said i'm not very aware about fashions i did not have a sense for what good needs to be built there and there is probably a platform of sorts that probably can come up there on the entertainment side and gaming we felt 100% we could build it and then the question was why not twitch and the answer actually is quite simple is that these things are not just built just because it exists doesn't mean that you don't have a community community building takes time and we said look we are awesome at doing that and so we just that was what gave us the initial confidence and then within the first 2 3 months i knew we were we could do it say uh, out of every 100 people who play a game how many would watch live stream of other people playing the game is this like a big number yeah so this is a very interesting question that you asked so i have a theory on this and uh, the it's a you have to put a time axis on it which is that right now my guess is about 40% or so watch that's pretty big but what will happen over time is that more people will watch than play the game and what i mean by that is that if you look at cricket right all of us play cricket or you know in football growing up and then we start watching on tv then we start stop playing as much because we have other things to do but we still love the game so we continue watching it as i'm watching it i also get other people in my family or friends to start watching it right so they become i'm like the early adopter or the core fan and then around me a community starts developing so they will not watch every day like i might be watching every day but that interest in pop culture starts emerging so for example i'm a big liverpool fan my family member all members also know who plays for liverpool so they don't watch every game but then my mom will ask me did mohammed salah play well today what happened today so it becomes an entertainment format and i think that's where we are with gaming we are in the first stage where obviously the core guys are watching but we're not far away from when the second phase will also get unlocked and that's when i see, i think you will see much more casual streaming and all also starting to emerge it's at an early stage right now i would say it's not everybody's doing it but i think the interesting thing that i'm seeing is that pop culture icons for young people sporting icons for young and people are streamers for example my nephew recently called me and said i i want to be a streamer on locos i was like what do you mean he said yeah, i want to be like mortal right and i was like okay okay that's you know hold yeah. horses then we had another friend travis and reached out to ashwin my co-founder saying he want can you help him meet scout so we're like what then we asked uh, recently asked i met someone at a dinner and i asked this person i was like young person I said, so who is your favorite athlete? I was hundred percent expecting 
Hardik Pandya or Rishabh Pant. And their answer was Jonathan. All these people now either work with us or are well-wishers of the platform. And that gave me a sense that pop culture is evolving. And, and it's not only in urban areas. And I think that's the power of what Loco is, is that because there's this great democratization that can have, has happened because of the phone, you're seeing players coming from everywhere. So if a player is coming from everywhere, who can be rest assured that communities will build around that, right? So we have on our platform, for example, Mavi, who's from Sangroor in Punjab, which now well-known thanks to the new CM there. You know, people didn't know what is Sangroor, but he's, it's not obviously like a tier one down. On the other hand, you have Jonathan, who's from Bandra, as tier one as you get. So very different, but they both play in the top leagues. Ashwin was traveling recently in Kerala. Everybody was playing in a pretty remote part of Kerala. We have uh, streamers from Kerala, from from the Northeast. It is truly Indian game, Indian phenomenon. And uh, I've had people from uh, Kashmir reach out to me saying, Yeah, internet ni chal tikra se, but kisi se dilao ye mujhe footage. You know, and, and, and see, so there's a power of today, right? Like people, the audience writes to me directly. And they don't obviously write in the flowery language that you and I can speak to her. It's not a B2B business. When a B2C business, the two gets forgotten, it becomes a BC business. So, he just starts like railing me, saying, And so, so, but the great thing is from that, I learned very quickly, what is someone really upset about? Because we have a rule internally that if a person reaches out to us directly on Instagram or on Discord or on Telegram or whatever, one person is representing 10,000 people. That's how you should think in your head. That for every 10,000 who didn't say anything, this one guy said something. So that's the amazing thing also is that because the audience also skews younger, they also have less inhibition. So they just are happy to give, let us have it. And that helps us in our product because then it helps us improve quickly. Discord is like just a way for audience connect. But why use Discord? Why not build a Discord within local only? It's a very interesting question. Frankly, it's something you thought about in detail. We think that Discord right now is serves a very different purpose than, than what Loco does. But over time, yes, we could have features like that show up on Loco, whether it's ability to create groups, ability to hang out with certain communities. Those are things we are looking at. So the core features and the core use cases of those, yes, those can certainly be built inside of Loco. There is no doubt about it. But I think what Discord has done is, again, it didn't come out, it came organically, right? it didn't come out of great design thinking that today it's it's a great tool used by all gamers and communities and so for us I think the question is you know it's like saying why don't I build WhatsApp again I think the question is can you build a DM right and it could and you could like Instagram has a very active DM for example I think we have to just think in the context of how the user uses our app and in that context definitely there are use cases from Discord which can be built inside local 100% so Discord is for a game like you say a PUBG or is it like for everybody on local or what, like how do you use Discord? So Discord is just like Slack. It's like a, a communication tool, right? So it allows you to have within a certain channel, it allows you to have different sub-channels and subgroups, etc. So you have a channel for each game or... It's essentially for what people like me, this like MIRC, but with audio, right? Like it's an internet retail chat with audio. And... The design is not very intuitive for older people, I think. It's meant for gamers. It's very clearly that ethos of, yeah, this is very Hangout, is very strong in Discord. And I think it's a fabulous product. And they've done a great job of leaning into that community and creating more more value there. And why do you have a Telegram channel? Same thing, just all of these help us connect with community. Yeah, 
basically there are different people on these different channels and they help us they participate with us in different ways we use it as just different ways of keeping in touch with our community the same way that we have an instagram and gamers hang out on these platforms so we also hang out on these platforms and do you also have like event based ips say like a tournament and stuff like that lots lots we are the biggest biggest organizers in that sense or biggest financiers of tournaments we are backing the most number of tournaments today we have a lot of organizers who organize for us and with our support which we have created many of them and there are obviously degrees of quality and experience there but there are lots of interesting events that we do so what's the play there like how does that help you as a business so we are like star sports and these events are like ipl or asia cup if you want to take cricket or the atp tour so this could be now in the atp tour you could have you know the cincinnati 500 you could have a grand slam like wimbledon or you have some other indian open there's a bunch of like g trophy here so exactly so these are just content pieces but they're more depending on their prestige and who's playing etc they get different viewership on the blog okay essentially the, these events generate content which then gives you eyeballs definitely what do you estimate by say 2025 how would the revenue be coming and would it be through monetizing eyeballs through ads while the streams are happening or would it be like a directly users paying streamers like that kind of a more transaction based or what do you what's your feel see i think india is not a india is not a one revenue stream opportunity so i think you will see a combination and i think good thing that you're seeing is that the generation that's on our platform knows how to transact online is comfortable transacting online and this very happy to buy virtual goods because they do it in games upi and they've grown up with paytm and mobiquick and these kind of uh, payment wallets etc around us they've seen upi now almost everybody uses so i think you have the ability to do micro transactions extremely well and so when you look at a world where in 4 5 years as our gdp keeps improving and you have better and better income incomes what will happen is you will see transactions improving for sure there's no question about it and also what happens is when obviously when the audience becomes more desirable which is what this audience usually is they obviously already all of them own a phone and then most of them have interest in games so they usually the it's an upwardly mobile uh, audience and so they will obviously attract if they're rich they will obviously attract richer advertisers or like rcpm advertisers they're more desirable audience so good thing is that it's got both mass so you got volume so it's not just guys who got a bmw so where they you have no volume it's also not like you know ghari detergent where there's only a specific demo that you were uh, targeting it's very wide like cricket and cricket you could see like every single advertiser wants that because they see their audience inside that they see their cohort inside that audience so what's your advice to young founders my advice to all founders young or old is don't think just do it there is no value in overthinking something there is no equation or logic that you know has to be satisfied for you to do something the important thing is time timing is the single biggest determinant of success in a startup according to me so it's important to get out there and start experiencing the market without that sitting in a room and just postulating you will never know anything you, you raised like a massive round just now for loco so what was the pitch to investors what are you going to use this money for so that was a large series a and i think as every entrepreneur who's raised money will tell you the the raise itself is just the start of the journey right and the larger the raise the more responsibility you have and as someone 
who's worked in the financial markets, I'm only too acutely aware that this money comes from pension funds and places that people depend on. So it's not free money and it's money that we need use a lot of with the due regard that it deserves. In terms of what the pitch to investors was, I think, look, the execution track record that we've shown after seed round has helped tremendously. I think a lot of people were not believers, frankly, at the seed round stage. Even then, we ended up doing one of the largest seed rounds in India, but there were a lot of people who were not believers, which I would say there was a transition to the next round where the inbound was phenomenal. And we, there, we had 3x, 4x, oversubscribed round. We have so had so much demand, which was unreal. Part of that was obviously the markets as well. They were in a good shape. But our execution, I think, was great. And then I think when we talk about a world where India will have 100 million plus MAUs in just game streaming, I think people believe that now and they've seen, I think the lockdown, I think had a big effect, right? By the time 2021 came, that realization that everybody is going to be gaming has come to the fore. In fact, I joke about it now that when you, back in the day, when you actually got a cable connection, they gave you a box. There'll soon be a world where your cable, your uh, internet guy will be the same, which is almost there, right? The Geo is doing both now. They will soon start giving you either some version of a console or some a joystick or something to start gaming because they understand that's an elevation in terms of their value proposition to the customer. And... It is also gaming itself offers a great value proposition to the customer who is trying to entertain themselves in a more immersive way. Right? They're not going to go backwards. I actually foresee a world where there is all sorts of bundling of this sort of platform with various telcos. Now, the pitch was pretty simple. We are trying to build the home of Indian gaming. We are a social platform for the virtual world. And I think as I told you, there is no other place where people can share their game memories and where they can hang out in the same way that they can on Loco. And I think that is a dream that now people are also seeing with us. And I think we're in a good, good place to execute on that journey. The good news for India and as an Indian is that there are a lot of other geographies where people have reached out to us and said, hey, when is Loco coming to our country? Which is surreal to see, right? It is surreal and it is exciting. Having said that, going abroad is always a a step you have to tread carefully on because it's a path you have to tread carefully on because it's not, it looks, everything looks easy from the outside. Like you could take any market and you could feel that, yeah, I can crack it because there's so many people who are asking me to come. That's already a good sign, but obviously execution is a, is where the real value lies. So for example, where we have a clips feature, which automatically generates highlights, which where you can put up fan content, where you can create a, a fandom around the core content, right? So key moments, fun, memes, etc. around gaming. Right now, what is what does the discovery of that look like, for example? Those are kind of problems we're thinking about because if you made something like Instagram, it's just going to look like a bunch of cartoons on the discover page, right? But so you want to think about should it be more a up-down swipe? What kind of quality of clips do we need? Like most gamers are not editors. So like how do you give them an editor which makes it easy for them to create content does it have to be funny so we think about features very strongly but again this is around the core streaming feature which is obviously we've really strengthened over the last year and then we have web3 product coming out also which also elevates the fan experience so there is there is plenty that is in terms of depth that is that we can do and i think that's what people have seen so this is essentially to help you go global and to build up products and add-on features yeah, basically, we, it's to essentially build out the product. It's to help create a content budget because we believe any platform needs to have you know, the right combination of product, technology, content, and community. So it's to build all of those things, of course, to help us market more. 
and acquire more users and then explore new markets. What is the content budget for? You are a platform of user-generated content, right? Like there is, it's essentially a content platform natively. So. Yeah, we do provide minimum guarantees, etc. for top-tier creators, which often ends up being a way for us to attract a quality audience, both on the new streamer side as well as on the as well as on the audience side. And then helps us create the liquidity. And that's what we were very differentiated in our approach. There are others who tried to build a long tail, which I personally think is not the right approach for where the Indian market is currently. In the long tail will come from the head being strong and from being, from having that attention where you can give that attention to others. If you don't have the attention, who will you give that to? That's what we're using that. But also we sponsor tournaments, for example, we're the largest top funder and supporter of esports tournaments in India and esports like three to enter tournaments which we broadcast from our platform. So we've also created many such companies and funded them, not equity funding, but funded them from a revenue point of view so that they can have businesses. So think of these as like small merchants or these small content producers that can come up from small tier, two tier, three tier, four downs. And I think the great thing is they are taking this funding, creating new talent around themselves and elevating themselves to the top of the food chain. So it's a really vital part of our strategy to have that as well. And we will continue doing that in different categories. We did it in PGMI. We are going to do it in other games that release hopefully this year or next year, whether it's a Valorant Mobile or Apex Legends Mobile. We'll do that. Even PC gaming, we will support it because what a lot of people don't realize is that in, in three, four years, PC gaming itself, India would be like 60 mil plus users, which is bigger than many other countries. So for us, it's a small category, but again, we are focused on diversifying and increasing the kind of categories that are there on the platform. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in. 